Speaking of which, uh, welcome to Manufacturing Hub with myself, Dave, and Vlad. We have an exceptionally special guest, Preston Hadley, on the uh, on the show today from Envision HQ, which if you're watching live, you will know it's got that dark blue and that orange, which every time I feel like I look at my LinkedIn feed, we see some other like bright orange and dark blue. And I, I love it, Preston. Um, I was thinking to myself, when was the first time that I met Preston? And I don't really know. I, I cannot really remember a time that I have not seen Envision um, Automation and Controls um, in my LinkedIn feed. And I think we were all the better for that. So uh, so welcome uh, welcome to the show, Preston. Thank you for yeah, coming thanks. on. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I guess uh, my experience with Preston. So I think we've connected uh, quite a few years ago and we've exchanged a couple of, uh, I think, questions and answers based mm-hmm. on some of my content, but I've been following you very closely. And I think in the last, um, I think, what year or so, you've uh, grown tremendously. You've built your own company. You had you were sharing posts about you know, the construction, the site at the very beginning. I think it was just a uh, a field that, um, you know, you were just starting to uh, envision per the name of the company, something much bigger. And here you are now in the fully constructed office with a lot of really cool hardware in the background that we're mm-hmm. going to speak about. But I think uh, to kick us off, you know, for those who are not familiar with what you do or what you've been up to the last year, you know, could you give us a little bit of an introduction and talk about, um, you know, what it is that you do, what uh yeah. It's like, yeah, absolutely. So I actually worked for another systems integrator when I got started back in 2017. Uh, shortly thereafter, in 2019, I started Envision uh, Automation and Controls. Um, and the first year, I did a lot of subcontracting. And in fact, a lot of the work that we do is still a lot of subcontracting for other systems integrators, a lot of on-site stuff, commissioning, startup, and uh, of course, panel fabrication. You can see the panel shop in the background there. Um, but, uh, for the last year, we've been starting to go more direct with customers, um, trying to continue to work with our systems integrator partners, but also build that direct customer base, um, that we can bring a lot more value to. Um, and, uh, so yeah, a big part of that was getting the shop up and running, you know, uh, <laughs> for the first year of the business, I worked out of my apartment, uh, just absolutely bluntly. That's what I did, you know, and, and of course you've seen the service van. Uh, that was my uh, step number two out of the apartment was into the service van. And uh, it, it, boy, that thing's seen some miles now, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I guess that's, I think that's the very cool aspect of, especially in systems integration, because a lot of times you see kind of the end result, you know, like once you've actually made it and you have all these big projects, but you never get to speak with, or at least like I've never met anybody who shares their experience from very early on. And I think seeing you go through that journey was um, like not only inspiring for me, but was like incredible to see like from, you know, like the humble beginnings and here you are with Mm -hmm. like robots behind you that are worth, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's really, it's a really interesting uh, story. But I want to also, I guess, ask you about your background. So we've talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, how did you get into controls? Like, how did you learn? Because, again, I think me and you come from a very different uh, space when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
years and years and years ago when I came out of high school, I was kind of geeky and IT related. I did a lot of programming. Um, you know, I worked uh, part-time with my father in his machine shop. It was adjacent to an IT company and they did Dream, uh, Dreamweaver training. I'm not sure if you guys ever heard of Dreamweaver from Adobe. Uh, it was a what you see is what you get text editor uh, for building web pages. And so that was my launching pad into programming. And uh, well, over the years, I just went into IT, web development, graphic design. And so and uh, a number of years later, I think in 2012, I worked for a, an IT company doing uh, systems architecture and, and stuff like that for a lot of school systems. So jump ahead a number of years, like five or six years into 2017, uh, a gentleman um, uh, who knew my father noticed some of the, the skills that I had and just took an interest and decided to mentor me in controls. I mean, it was very um, strange and kind of uh, serendipitous how it happened. And, and it really tended to work out right in the end. Um, you know, we're still good friends to this day. He does a lot of great work. We still work together, uh, but he's seen something in there. You know, I think he had IT skills back in the day and he just seen a similarity or a commonality there and uh, took a very heavy interest in where I was going to be going as, mm -hmm. as a young man in my uh, mid twenties. And um, so fast forward to today, um, you know, quite a bit of that carries over, you know, I still do continued education. Um, one thing people don't know about me is I'm not formally educated. That might surprise most people. Um, I know a lot of guys that have come through both channels and that's mm -hmm. certainly fine either way you want to go. Um, but uh, I've, I'm, that's something that surprises most people, I would say. I'm curious about that process, if I may inquire mm -hmm. a little bit more. So like when yes. you, I guess, got your mentor, like how was that, like how was your training like? Were you immediately kind of sent off to the field and you were working on some project? Was it very hands-on or did he, you know, kind of train you uh, on a few things like in the lab first? Like what was that atmosphere like? And maybe, you know, some like positives and like negatives of that, uh, sure. if you can. Yeah, I'm actually really glad that you asked that. Uh, it was it was quite a journey. Um, actually, in the beginning, um, we really just sat down and focused on methodology um, before we ever really touched the PLC, which was wonderful. Um, he had a different way of thinking about things and breaking things down psychologically than I have prior to me meeting him. And so in order to solve the problem, uh, we just broke it down chunk by chunk and all these pieces started fitting together. Well, it was a short while thereafter. He did send me um, on a few little things that I could figure out myself. But mostly, I'd say for the first couple of months, I was going with him uh, side by side to these service trips, right? We did a lot of service work, still do a lot of service work to this day, actually. Uh, but we would troubleshoot uh, PLC programs, uh, wiring, uh, this pump's not working, or, you know, this PID's not right. So we would do that. And that's really where I gained a lot of my um, hands-on knowledge. Um, but actually, there was much less time spent in the lab than you would think with mm -hmm. my mentor. He gave me a Micrologics 1400 uh, with EIP, and that was what I started with. And I went home, and I tinkered, and I built a lab similar to what you have behind you, not quite as equipped. But uh, that's really where I did a lot of my um, off hours tinkering and learning and trying to break stuff. And that's really where I gained uh, quite a bit. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's a, an, I guess, a very interesting 
way of uh, doing things. And I guess like my, although I come from a much more traditional space, right? I went to, uh, I get my bachelor's in electrical engineering. I still see that the best people, or I guess like the most, how to say it, like invested in a certain discipline uh, typically come from non, um, you, I guess, like traditional backgrounds, because I think the drive to succeed, you know, that gives you kind of the ability to learn all that and absorb it is going to be outside of school, right? So yeah. again, like not want to dive into like my history, but school at that time, I wasn't fully like aware of what I really wanted to do long term, right? So it was kind of a okay. period of where I was trying to still figure things out. So I was not completely like invested in my learning versus if you do it on your own, I feel that you are fully invested, that you really like the field, like you've selected it for a reason, right? Because you're putting in your own resources. And that's, again, from what I've seen, the best usually people in the field, the best programmers typically come from a non uh, non-university or non-traditional background. So big uh, kudos to you because I, I know how Thank difficult you. it is because there, there's software and hardware that you really need to master, right? Like even something as simple, or I guess like that we think is simple as tuning in a PID loop, you really need to understand not only the process, but you also need to understand the hardware and like the software aspects in addition to that. it's And it's really difficult to teach even like in a school environment. Like my university didn't have any of those uh, aspect so no you're absolutely right big. yeah so yeah. envision automation i'm i guess like i'm curious to um you know to your maybe current projects if you want to talk about uh what you've done since the beginning but maybe also dive into what you've had what you have behind you obviously without any proprietary information but mm -hmm. you know what have you been up to what kind of projects challenges um have you been solving yeah, well, I, I would say primarily from day one, I have solved uh, problems for OEMs and systems integrators, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and as you can tell from my LinkedIn and other social media, my van is all over the country. Um, and uh, so, yeah, one of the most common projects you'll find me on is at an equipment installation where the code is 75% or so done and machine is in pieces and we need to get it together, commissioned and started up. So, you know, that could mean days or weeks or maybe even months on site in West Virginia or Florida or New York, uh, California. I've done projects out there. Uh, but some of my more particular projects, I know you want to hear some specifics because we like to uh, talk down in the weeds on this. Um, I did assist one of my great partners. Uh, they're a systems integrator. They're an amazing company. Um, they do a lot of work in the heavy material handling uh, industry. And I went out to California in 2018 um, and they put a, a, a big feeding system in at a cement plant out just uh, north of Los Angeles, about an hour. And uh, that was a pretty unique project just from the scenery alone, because uh, it was right on the line of, of vegetation and desert. It was pretty, pretty definitive. It was pretty amazing. Um, that was a, a large project where you're dealing with large components, big motors. Um, and I've done a lot of big projects like that for them. And, uh, you know, you get out on site and there's there's things that you're, you're completely and utterly unaware of when you get there. You know, you've never seen this project, you've never touched this project, but you have to get it going, you know, um, ultimately get it up and running. And that's, that's a lot of the projects that I do. Uh, some more specific projects lately, we've been doing a lot of safety stuff for a local company here in the area where mm -hmm. we've been putting in a lot of, uh, for example, lazy, laser safety scanners from like Kians and Sick and stuff like that. 
So we're going through and doing like risk assessments and validation and, and these kinds of things on these local plants because their safety is a, well, I mean, to us, it's a big issue and it should be to them too. Right. Uh, but certain things get glossed over for 10, 15, 20 years or more. And then someone almost gets uh, hurt and well, we get the call to go in there and figure it out. So uh, the project behind me, this is actually uh, something I can't speak about, <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, it's a really cool robot, right? Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. I'm not sure if, if there'll be any social media interaction with that at all, um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's a little unfortunate, you know, that a lot of these projects, and I'm very familiar with that too, that once you go to a customer site, you know, pretty much everything is proprietary to an extent. So it's very difficult to, uh, to reveal some of that information. You know, I, mm -hmm. I get questions about, you know, why am I not sharing some of the programming that I do? But well, ultimately it's because it's, it's difficult to uh, reveal some of that information. But um, I'm curious, um, so you've mentioned that, you know, you visited different sites, different plants. I'm curious, what's your take on, you know, the different industries when it comes to, let's say, control systems, like, and how do you tackle, let's say, go into a cement plant and then go into like a food and beverage plant? Like, how do you absorb the uh, process information that is, I guess, required to install some of those systems? And especially, I guess, like your company's like, are you trying to maybe target or segment in a certain industry or are you just like fairly broad at this point? Like, how does it, how does that work? Sure. So I'll break those two questions out. So the first one was when I go to, for example, a cement plant, um, they have conveyors in some of those plants that are miles long, uh, are controlled by one big, you know, 350, 400 horsepower motor. It's kind of strange if you've never been in, you know, the heavy material handling industry, you'll hit start on the control panel you don't have time to go up that mile or two mile long conveyor to make sure it's clear like you do an assembly machine mm -hmm. uh, where you say, hey, I'm downloading to the PLC or I'm getting ready to cycle start. So really it was kind of strange to me when, when one of the plant managers said, just hit start, the horn will sound for 10 seconds, they'll get out of the way. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what are we? <laughs> so that was a shock, you know, cause I'd not worked in that industry as much. Uh, but then going back to something like automotive, um, you know, automotive assembly in particular, it's it's very um, a safe environment and everything has to follow strict protocols. Uh, the second question though, um, that you brought up about where am I trying to target? What specific industries? Uh, well, because my customers are a lot of uh, SIs and OEMs, I get drug all over the place. And mm -hmm. so it kind of makes it hard for me to target a particular industry. I'll say I've probably done most of my work in automotive uh, through my OEM system integrators and my direct customers. Um, however, I'll say what I'm really trying to target is machine retrofitting and, and breathing new life back into older equipment. And I know that's, you know, uh, you may have, you may have asked that or getting ready to ask that, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's something I'm trying to target what particular industry yet. I'm not exactly narrowed down where we're going with that yet, but we've done it quite a bit in the plastics uh, industry with retrofitting. So extruders, extrusion saws, uh, cooler conveyors and things like that. We've got a technical question coming in from david and i guess we've uh, kind of discussed this a little bit in the past but what uh preston what languages do you use when it comes to plc programming and do you have a preference um and i guess for iec standards and then ladder function blocks st mm -hmm. um sequential function charts any thoughts on that yeah well i can tell you about 98 percent of anything i've ever touched has been ladder um, that's just, 
what you do when you're in service. Everything's there. It's been there for 15, 20 years, maybe even five years. It's in ladder. Um, I've done a little bit in structured text. I'd love to do more in structured text. It kind of reminds me of programming microcontrollers from that perspective in like C++ or something like that. Yep. Uh, but I, I kind of like ladder. I think ladder's good. Ultimately, would, would structured text be better for us? Probably. In a lot of ways, I think it would make things easier. But we can't just think about ourselves. We have to think about the maintenance teams in these plants. Most of these maintenance teams are guys who graduated up through the electrical hierarchy from, you know, apprentice to journeyman to master electrician. And these guys, not all the time are they duly equipped to go through and understand structured text and some of the more complicated programming languages that we'll work with. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the more complicated ladder functions too. So what I honestly try to do to my very best ability is build it specifically for the guys in the plan who can understand it. You know, yeah. if there are if there are more advanced guys there, you know, we may be able to try to pull some things off, um, you know, and write some custom AOIs and, you know, write some documentation where they can understand it. But truthfully, I try to stick to ladder because that's what all the maintenance teams know. Uh, I'd rather not tie myself with a boat anchor to every customer side I've ever been to by using something they don't understand. Um, not that I don't like going back and servicing our customers. I just uh, I think that they should be able to help themselves in time of need if I'm not available. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a very good quality from like a systems integration standpoint. And I guess as a very good segue to our next to my next question, I guess it's uh, you don't only provide a systems integration service; you actually equip those guys with the tools they need, right? So you actually go out and you have uh, your own training kits that you bring on site, and then you do demos. You help them understand. Uh, some of the programming. I don't know if you dive into the exact programs that you did, but you trained them obviously mm -hmm. on the skills they would need to service some of the equipment that you would install or somebody else has installed too, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, for a, a great number of maintenance personnel, we have a training center, which is also just behind that wall behind me there, where we do basic PLC training at the maintenance level um, for them to go in and understand potentially if they have to branch around something or if they have to troubleshoot something they will know how to, you know, navigate the PLC program, how to communicate with the PLC, back it up, you know, not wipe out a program, those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I think it's very important to educate the end user as best as you possibly can. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely could not agree more. Dave, do you have any, uh, sorry, I've been taking all the stage time. Do you have any <laughs> questions for Preston that you want to jump in with? No, no, Vlad, I, I have learned when you are on a roll, I should just let you keep going because you just a ask absolutely fantastic questions. Um, but no, thank you. So I, I do have a question, Preston. So you talked about how you do a lot of commissioning work and how you're moving to machine, uh, to doing more machine retrofits as we can see behind you. Is that something that you found a demand or a need or, or a value add uh, from your customers? Or, or I guess the better question is, how did you move from doing all this commissioning work to, to building this beautiful facility and, uh, and getting into machine retrofits? Yeah, I, I think it was a demand for my customers. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, it was something that was kind of happenstance. We were asked to do the project. We did it. And I realized an incredible need in the market for that. I don't think that every company should have to go out and uh, spend the massive amounts of money they need uh, to buy capital equipment. It was, you know, if they could simply just repurpose the equipment that they have, um, even if that means, of course, a, a complete gut gutting of the, of the controls package, that's fine. 
Uh, but is he going as far as to even uh, do a tooling package on the machine to retool it and, uh, you know, spend a quarter or, or a half of the cost they're going to spend on new equipment with the same efficiency. That would be phenomenal for anybody, I think. Um, but yeah, how, how we got into uh, that through commissioning and startup. So a lot of the retrofits have come through our direct customers. So our direct customers, um, typically they may not have the budget at the time, especially during COVID. Um, they, you know, normally would have dropped a bunch of money on a machine, but they couldn't. Um, so they said, what can we do to get this up to power for much, much less money? So that was kind of, again, it was very happenstance. And we just kind of segued into that. And really, I enjoy the work. Um, we're, we've done some projects from scratch, kind of like an OEM. I'm not really interested in doing a whole heck of a lot of that. There's a lot of OEMs out there building equipment from, from the ground up cool work. I do a lot of work for them. Uh, I'm not interested in doing that as much. I would like to take and breathe new life uh, into the old equipment and service their existing equipment. Preston, we've got a, an interesting comment uh, question on LinkedIn from David mm -hmm. Rojas. So Preston, have you hired employees? Do you find it difficult to find qualified individual to do this type of work? And I know this is also an interesting segment because I saw that you posted, I think that you're also helping like place people either on like contracts or you're hiring individuals. So if you want to expand on that uh, kind of venture as well, that would be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm absolutely looking to hire. I've been looking to hire for, I'd say about two months now ongoing. Um, I will say, yes, it's difficult. It's difficult to find people, um, people who are, also, I mean, I do a lot of commissioning and startup work. So to find people that are willing to do that travel and, and do it consistently, that's another challenge, of course. Uh, only someone like me might say, hey, I'm going to travel all the time. You know, I have no problem with it. Uh, but not everybody has that personality type. So, yes, it's difficult. Uh, going into your next question about placing people, uh, that came out of a necessity from customers who needed additional resources for commissioning and startup. And, um, you know, said, hey, well, we've got you on site. Do you have anybody else? Okay. Yes, I do. So I would reach out to the guys that I knew and uh, of course then start to build up a list of contractors that uh, needed work. And that's kind of how the control staffing thing started. And uh, that's not nearly as, as busy or nearly as, um, uh, I don't know, proactive as, as the automation and control side of things, of course. Um, but it's definitely helped out a good number of contractors over the last two years. And, uh, and I've, I, my customers have benefited from it greatly. I mean, you might be able to sway me with a, with a van, you know, that's like, I've never had, uh, and I always, you know, I could never drive from place to place would always have to like fly. And I think that adds like a whole bunch of like overhead to, uh, mm -hmm. to the travel, but no, I mean, that's, I think that's been a problem in the industry for many, many, you know, large companies, small companies, uh, what have you, just finding people that um, can do the job. Like, honestly, I think, yeah you know, the headline is always, we want to look for the best talent is somewhat overused because we just, we want people who are committed to the work, who are able to do, uh, you know, what is required and can show up because I think manufacturing in general is, uh, or requires some flexibility, right? Like, like you've mentioned yeah. startups and like those could be, you know, 10 hour days, just like they could be like 16 hour days. Like it just, it depends yeah. on the customer. It depends on the industry. It depends, uh, you know, there's a crunch, time period and then there's maybe like a slower period that's right so it's uh it's definitely a challenge but how um i guess 
if we want to dive into like the the interviews or like how are you searching for people how are you like what are you looking in candidates just curious maybe on that process as well yeah so it might surprise you i'm not necessarily looking for somebody with a college education much like myself i'm looking for someone who might be uh quite trainable you know someone who's looking to get into the industry you know um i won't move into our to one of our next points but um I'm constantly looking for guys who are hungry to learn this stuff. And, you know, a lot of them are apprentice electricians who want to get into controls. They work with it every day. You know, they, they touch it, but they don't get to, to actually do it. And I think that a lot of those guys are trying to segue into that industry, but they don't necessarily want to go through the two or four years worth of schooling. You know, they're saying, well, we've learned a lot on site and I'm a hands-on guy. Um, so that's kind of where I think a lot of that's coming from. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, when it comes to what I'm looking for, I'm looking for somebody who wants to learn. And that's, that's really, if, if you have the drive to learn something and you're going to go home and tinker on it after hours, and you're going to wake up excited to get going the next day, you're going to, you're going to go far. It's all about the drive. How would you say, I mean, so looking maybe from an outside perspective, how would mm -hmm. you say that people could demonstrate that drive, right? So I think there's quite a few people, let's say on LinkedIn, trying mm -hmm. to land maybe like even, you know, university students who are doing their four years bachelor's degree. And I get this question quite often, you know, what can I put on my resume without having maybe the exposure to manufacturing or, you know, they might be like an operator, an electrician or a mechanic how do I expose and like demonstrate that I, I am willing to take that next step in automation and controls? Like, what would you kind of recommend for them? Sure. I'd say the first step, I know it's the hardest one, but if you can get your hands on a Micrologix PLC or a, a, a Siemens, um, you know, S7, 1200 PLC for a couple hundred dollars, do it. Get, get the cheap licenses, get on it and start playing around at night with it. Because I'll tell you what, if you go to, and I'm going to do a plug here if you don't mind, but if you go to Solace PLC, what a great place to get knowledge without having to go to college. I know that rhymes, but it's true. So like, like, okay, like if I'm looking for an employee, okay, if they came to me, Vlad, and they said, well, I've completed these courses at Solace PLC or wherever else.com, okay, I've written these programs, it's fully uh, learnable at home. You don't have to go through college to learn those basic uh, courses, do the courses, do some examples, tinker around. And you come to me and say, listen, here's my course certificates. Here's some examples of things I've tinkered on. I've played around in AutoCAD, whatever the case is. If you can show me that you've taken that first step and that you're hungry, that's what I want to see. I don't want to really hear that you're interested. I want to see that you're interested. Yeah. I think that's, that's a very important point. And I guess I certainly, you know, appreciate the mention of Solus PLC, but there's a lot of great yeah. resources, right? We've got, uh, yeah. Tim Wilborn from TW Controls in the chat as well. Like I know Tim has mm -hmm. a lot of great, great resources and not only uh, we kind of specialize on courses, but he does some of the hardware as well. Some of the kits, you know, that you've mentioned can be, yes. um, you know, not only getting a, a small PLC, but a couple of things as well uh, from Tim. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's important, I guess, that's kind of the advice that I give people too, is complete a couple of projects, build something that, um, you know, you're proud of and that you can speak to, you know what I mean? Like you can explain certain things you can demonstrate. And I think mm -hmm. for me, like enthusiasm shows, I don't know if, uh, I guess like if you kind of remember the, 
sort of the memorable interviews, but you know, people are kind of excited to show you what they've actually built. And I think like, yes. that's, I guess the type of people that I would be drawn to. And the only way to demonstrate it is to actually build it and kind of enjoy the process. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll frame this from another, another uh, teacher. Um, you know, I actually took um, Paul Lin's course way back when I was getting going uh, through Udemy at the time. And, you know, he said something that was really phenomenal. He said, listen, he said, you do this course. He said, you can go into your interview, bring your laptop, open your laptop, prove to them that you know what you're doing and look and look through the program and say that, you know, this and show them. And that's really a great way. If you can show me uh, whether it be through just popping open a laptop or doing an assessment test that I give you, if I can see that, you know, some stuff that you could learn through these courses then I know that you've done some work. And I know that you're going to continue to do some work to get where you need to be uh, with your knowledge. Yeah, we got a really good comment on LinkedIn from uh, Hank Pruim. Sorry if I mispronounced that. It says, honestly, I enjoy the travel part of my job. It, uh, I guess it depends on which uh, stage of the life you're in. Uh, he says, I've met so many interesting people and men made many friends on the road. Definitely. Uh, it's an excellent profession. I've gone from electrician sorry, my feed just scrolled up, to do an automation full-time now. I encourage the young people to dig in, show interest, and you'll go far. And I think that really kind of summarizes what, um, you know, the sentiment that both you and I have, Preston, as well. I think it's, yeah. uh, it's a very challenging job in many ways, but I think if you show perseverance, there will be more than enough people who are willing to I guess, like not only take a chance on you, but willing to teach you, train you and, you know, mentor you in certain situations and kind of help you out along the way. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, uh, he makes, he makes a great point when you're out on the road, if you have a family uh, and I do have a family, I have a stepdaughter and a girlfriend, a lovely group of girls. I've been uh, with Jessica now for four and a half years. And I'll tell you, it's not easy being on the road when you have family. Uh, it's probably not easy being on the road, even if you don't have a family, unless you just love it. Okay. Um, but yes, you meet amazing, great people at these plants and you make great connections at a, at a core level, not, not just a professional level, but I think at a, a human level. And, um, you know, this community in particular is so small. I don't think people truly understand. I've been all the way out to California and all the way to New York and Florida and met people that connect you know, make the connection across those states. It's ridiculous. Uh, like, hey, I know, I think I know that guy. Yeah, we worked together way over here in Kansas or here in Kentucky on a project 20 years ago or five years ago. And um, so you meet a lot of amazing people. You learn a lot of great things from people. And truthfully, um, a lot of the people that I make great connections with are the operators of the equipment that I'm typically working on or servicing. And uh, that, that's, that's another thing is, I think that uh, this is something that I've enjoyed more than anything is getting to the root problem of whatever the customer is complaining about, uh, whether it be a machine that's malfunctioning or uh, something that's tripping or frying. Um, I get a lot of feedback from the operators. You know, they're, they're going to give you the truth. They're going to tell you because they're there every day. And uh, so when I go to a plant and I get that list from the plant manager, plant supervisor, line supervisor, I listen I take my notes and I work my way down the chain until I get to the operator. And I say, what's your idea on all of these? What's, what's really happening in front of you every day. So I can compare it to what the plant needs to be uh, or what they need done. And typically you find a lot of little hidden low hanging fruit with the operators. 
And uh, so I've worked closely with those guys over the years and it, you typically build really good friendships in a short amount of time. Yeah. And I think that's a very elusive skill. That's not always, you know, explicitly mentioned for a control systems, you know, whether it is technician or engineer, but the ability to connect with people on a, on a human level, because ultimately the machinery, I think functions in a certain way, but then you've got a whole human aspect that people sometimes forget. Right. And if you are a quote-unquote PLC programmer, you might be always inclined to say, well, like the pro the problems in the software, the hardware, whatever. But a lot of times you'll get more clues from just talking to people and kind of getting to know them than by, you know, going in the program and trying to go through the, the sequences. And that, that's a very important skill that I feel um, a lot of entry-level per se, I guess, engineers or technicians don't fully grasp. And I'm, I'm happy that you... You brought brought it up and expanded on it. Yeah, um, but let's yep. um. I guess you had mentioned a S seven twelve hundred series PLC that one can get their hands on, and I think um, as we discussed, I think one of the kind of misses on my end has been to not advertise one of the giveaways you had done uh, earlier this year. I believe it concluded. Correct me if I'm wrong, but late January to early February. Correct. Yeah. And so the, um, I guess the initiative was to give away a PLC, an HMI, and I think some software came with that as well. Yeah. And uh, one of the, well, I guess the lucky winner of that giveaway was a, a person that was an electrician, I think, and trying to get into controls while working a full-time job with, uh, you know, a family to provide for and was, I guess, struggling. If you want to give us the story, because I think that's an important uh, way to kind of give back to the community. Um, you... Yeah, absolutely. So the winner was Jason Rice. Um, and again, it was a very random generated winner. Um, and thankfully it landed on somebody who was in the middle of their college education. I think he was going for electrical engineering or pro, you know, in, uh, controls engineering, one of the two. And he was the perfect candidate. Uh, the, the reason I started the giveaway was I wanted to give somebody the chance. You know, I had a gentleman take the chance on me and, and just kind of scoop me up out of whatever I was doing and, and, and said, here, here's a PLC and here's some information. And he would, he would sit there and just talk to me, man, for hours about the methodology behind these things. Not necessarily just, hey, just punch in a few things and this is how this works. He would say, but this is why we do it this way. Mm -hmm. I know I can't give that to everybody and everyone can't give that to everyone else but at least I could give somebody some kind of head start, uh, give them the ability to tinker in their home after hours, if they're really passionate about what they do. So that's really how it started. I wanted to give someone a leg up. And I was thinking, well, an apprentice electrician or someone who's going to school for engineering, something like that, or perhaps someone who's not even in school or in electronics, they just want to learn. I know a number of people like that. So uh, Jason, he, you know, he, he said uh, a few things uh, regarding winning. He was very fortunate uh, and very happy that he won. Um, you know, he, I think he's got a good number of children. He's going through school. He was uh, working a part-time job. And uh, so for him, it was a huge deal that he won. And it also, mm -hmm. um, just some of the media exposure gave him a, a, a quite a number of good connections that uh, I think you guys know that landed him a, a job within a few weeks of that post. Um, just through the power of LinkedIn, you know, very organic. So for him, he went from going to school uh, to winning a PLC to landing a, a full-time job 
I mean, that was incredible. Within, a, I think it was maybe a couple months span there, you know, the first quarter of the year. So uh, for him, I guess you could say it somewhat changed his life. I, at least I hope. I hope yeah. it did. Directly or indirectly, right? No, I, I think definitely. I think, you know, as we discussed earlier uh, in the stream, is that it's really difficult to kind of afford some of this uh, equipment, right? Like what's sitting behind me. Um, for, for better or for worse, I was only able to afford because of Solus PLC slash, you know, some of the previous contracts that I did. But at the end of the day, buying some of this equipment as a student, um, especially, you know, the higher end brands, the Allen Bradleys, the Siemens, it's extremely difficult, right? It's not some something that just anyone can pick up and go. And I, I think it's a little bit unfortunate that there's such a, I guess, not just the learning curve, but also the price curve, right? That uh, one must commit to whether, again, if you go back to school or if you buy your own equipment, it's just extremely expensive in general. We do have a question, though, on our previous point uh, when it comes to like hiring. So the person asked uh, how to show how do you showcase projects, right? Like if you uh, work on developing something after hours, how do you showcase those projects? Do you recommend LinkedIn, GitHub? Can you uh, utilize GitHub for PLC projects to which like I can actually respond to the last section, you can, you can upload sure. your PLC programs uh, to GitHub. And I know that uh, a number of companies have like their own solutions. And I think there's even a startup that's trying to build a better GitHub for PLCs. But what are your thoughts, Preston, on, you know, how do you showcase some of these projects? Do you post photos, videos? Do you post like screenshots of your maybe PLC code? How, what do you recommend? I think a screenshot of the code is amazing. I think that right there would speak volumes. And I think, for a lot of people, a photo, video, screenshots, do it all. Why not? I mean, you can you can put three and four photos and videos in one post. Um, I prefer to see something. Um, you know, I get my hands on things. If I can see it, I can understand it. I can get a good idea of its quality or of its function. Um, you know, whenever I would tinker in my uh, apartment after hours when I first got going, I'd take videos. I mean, I have, you know, a couple of buttons as inputs and then a couple of LEDs as outputs. And I would even if it was just uh, making those lights flash back and forth at 100, 100 millisecond pulses, which burned them up, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I even had them down to 50 milliseconds and just toasted them. But I took videos of that stuff. I stored all of that on my phone because to me, I was just like, that's so freaking cool that I can, that I can do that. And, uh, or, hey, I can make a combination of these inputs do this. And so I would take those videos. And if I would have posted any of them to LinkedIn, I, today anyway, I'd be mortified to see that. <laughs> but just because I'm a critic, right, of myself. But when I see people post on LinkedIn, the things that they're tinkering around with at home, I love it. I think everybody does. Everybody sees that that it shows your passion, again, which your passion can override your particular skill level at that point in time, right? If people can see how passionate you are, that comes across. But yeah, absolutely. Post it. I don't care how grainy the video is, just post it. Get some interactions, get people to to give you feedback. And, and if you're doing something, you're going to have guys who've been in the industry for 20, 30 years come in and say, yeah, well, we've always done it this way. I, I like what you're doing. You're a newbie, but try it this way. You know, I mean, it's it, yeah. the interactions that you'll get showcase, you know, whatever, just post it. Everyone, will, everyone likes it. 
it's funny that you mentioned that. I guess I, I personally like to see people's take on, you know, different things or different ways of doing mm -hmm. things. So when they post things and then they explain like, well, you know, I had a different idea of doing it like this way. And for sure, there's always going to be a lot of comments that you know, <laughs> either disagree with that methodology. But at the end of the day, I think like it gets me thinking and, uh, you know, seeing a problem or a similar, how to say like challenge with a different set of eyes is always, um, I guess, like the world, the world is not refreshing, but you know, like, it's a different perspective that gets you thinking. And yeah. even if you've been in the field for 20 years, there have been, you know, technologies released in the last like six months that are completely changing the way of doing things. And I think if you're like trying to enter the industry and you're showcasing some of those, especially like technologies and new ways of doing things, even if you are maybe called out by the quote unquote veterans, I think you're still giving a new perspective, a different way of thinking, and you are ultimately giving people ideas on how it can be done, right? Like that's, I th absolutely. in my opinion, very important. No, absolutely. The, the conversation on LinkedIn around the, the content that people are putting out, whether it's a, a business like myself, I put out a lot of business content, mm -hmm. uh, but if you've noticed, I kind of uh, flutter some, uh, some stuff kind of behind the scenes stuff on my personal page all the time. And uh, more so back in the day than I do now. But I can tell you that by posting that stuff, you're intriguing the uh, veteran guys who've been in, in the industry. You're intriguing guys. You may have only been in this for a year or two. You're intriguing people who are just now getting started. Okay. You're creating an aura or a, a space around you for conversation around what you're doing. So if you want to learn at a, a rapid pace, if you want to get noticed by employers uh, a little more frequently, Showcase your stuff just by posting it. Post frequently and post often. That's what I would. That's what I would say to that gentleman. Preston, I certainly don't want to put you on the spot for the next giveaway, but I'm curious: Are there any plans, maybe for Envision, to do something of uh, of the sort that you had done in January, and you know, create something for the community when it comes to maybe a PLC giveaway? Is that maybe in the works or in the plans? Yes, sir. So I, uh, my initial plan was to kind of pilot that, see how that would go. <laughs> and it went really well. And we got a lot of people. In fact, we had over a thousand entries. Uh, we discussed this uh, just a few days ago, I think. Uh, the, the public only seen about 300 something entries, I think. Uh, but we had over a thousand actual entries, but we just had 700 or so that weren't registered. Um, so we had a lot of people that were interested in winning. So yes, we're going to do it quarterly, I think, going forward. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how long we'll do that. I'm thinking 2021, we'll do that every quarter. Um, we'll kind of have to reassess that going 2022, but I think it's an incredible opportunity. There's plenty of uh, up and coming bright people that could use it. And really, if you think about it, one for Q2, three and four, that's only three people uh, that are, that are going to win in, in 2021 other than Jason Rice. So yeah, we're definitely going to do that quarterly. I think it's going to be towards the end of each quarter. Uh, so, and the reason I did that was going into December of 20, uh, uh, 2021, it'll be kind of like a, a Christmas gift <laughs> for whoever wins, you know, it'd be towards the tail end of the month. I mean, it, it's Christmas anytime you get to pop open a PLC out of packaging. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's, yeah. it's important to mention, um, you know, when I had seen your, your giveaway, right. I, I had to make the realization that although like I may want to get my hands on a, an extra piece of hardware, I perhaps wouldn't be the right person or the target audience for such a giveaway. And I think it's very important to emphasize as we discuss through the stream 
is that the ultimate target is someone who's looking to get into controls, who's truly willing to like invest the time to learn and who needs that extra helping hand because of the expensive, you know, hardware and software. Uh, so I, th I think it's important to emphasize as well, you know, who the, uh, the target is for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, hey, I, what are I your would... thoughts? No, no, I, I would agree with that. And, and I think that you guys have talked about, uh, you know, all of the high points of the Change Your Life giveaway. And that was certainly something one pilot with Preston being on here. And uh, similar to what Vlad was saying, you know, I saw the giveaway. I think I shared the giveaway a few times. And as much as I would love to open the new box and get the new PLC plastic smell, um, it, it's one of those that I'm happy that uh, that it went to a person in need and hope that, you know, the, the future giveaways do that. Um, I know we've got some Siemens folks in the chat. I know we've got some other folks in the chat. If that is something that you guys would like to help provide uh, PLCs to be given away in, in some form or fashion, either through Preston or either with Vlad and I uh, to continue with people opportunities uh please feel free to uh feel free to reach out that that is certainly something that as we've discussed i think we've all bonded over you know if we can give people a chance uh, the, the the most that we can do is is give people a chance and being able to send out some hardware is better than you know being able to put together a couple of podcasts or being able to put together kind of a list of you should go take a look at these places and at least for me i'm a hands-on learner you can type as much as you want into the simulator, but as Preston was saying, like seeing those lights go on and off, it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, taking the little control, that, that's when electronics really started to make sense to me, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to just code. And so um, if anyone is interested um, on the distributor, on the OEM side of being part of that, uh, please feel free to, uh, to reach out. Um, and, uh, and that would, uh, that, that would be good, but no, I think that that that's very exciting. And Preston, as I believe I mentioned in the beginning, it's certainly something that we will go ahead and, and publicize. That is very much one of those community things that we want to make sure that we get out at the, uh, at the very beginning of these shows all the time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been, uh, I guess, a number of comments. I don't know, Dave, if you were able to catch up with them, but people mentioned a couple of great resources. So plctalk.net, which is a very popular forum to get uh, answers. Actually, like I was extremely active there when I was doing a lot of travels. And I even remember, I guess, kind of a side funny story. Um, I wrote a solution to one of the problems, right? Because it wasn't there. So I wrote like a response on how to figure it out. And I think it was like one of the message sequences between PLCs. And then about like six months later, I was stuck doing the exact same thing and I couldn't figure it out. So I Googled the, you know, the same string and found like my own answer. And like, I, I followed the solution to like my own problem that I had figured out six months before. But um, people said, uh, so mentioned a couple of things. So there's going to be Ignition, SCADA, HMI. So they do have a, an excellent training. People talked about Code Assist. So Code Assist, for those of you who are not familiar, a um, it's an IEC language that is platform agnostic. So there's a number of different hardware platforms that it can run on, including like the Raspberry Pi. You can get a five dollar uh, Raspberry Pi Zero and pretty much practice uh, with uh, with Codasys. And I guess my opinion, um, and feel free to jump in on this, Preston, as well. But I think I guess a lot of the industry, the it, I guess the fact remains that it's still 
heavily under Alan Bradley and Siemens. And although you could probably learn uh, quite a few things when it comes to PLC programming on a different platform or on a free, uh, you know, simulation software, I think it's still there is value in getting the hardware that's in the factories, right? Like the Micrologics yeah. that you've mentioned a couple of times, the S7-1200 series, like you can see them in actual machinery right now if you were to walk on, at least in food and beverage based on my experience, but I'm sure in automotive and oil yes, and gas. Sir. And so there is, um, I think, a learning curve associated with each platform. And so having had that experience with the actual hardware and software is extremely valuable. Absolutely. Um, you know, it would be easy enough for someone to go on Automation Direct and buy a really, really cheap click PLC with free software and a Seymour HMI, which now the software is free for. That's fine. I, I think if, yeah, there you go. I mean, that, that's, that's perfectly fine if you want to do it. I know I see a lot of uh, um, integrators use Seymour with uh, Alan Bradley, and I, I've seen Siemens HMIs with Alan Bradley PLCs. Um, but uh, it would be easy to say that, but I, my big argument for that is, yeah, it, gets you, it kind of gets your toes dipped into the water a little bit, but I don't really see them being used, the PLCs anyway, being used super widespread. You know, it's something that's very isolated. A lot of, uh, I'd say, if you're doing custom skids, if you're building a product, if I was building a product, I might use something like that. Then again, I, the Siemens product is fairly cheap enough on the S7-1200 stuff that I would put that in any, in any proprietary product that I would build. Um, maybe even Alan Bradley, depending on the application. But yeah, there's, there's absolutely a way in through that if you want to go the least expensive route. But if you really want to be familiar with most equipment in the United States, it's going to be Alan Bradley and Siemens. Uh, in the United States, Siemens seems to run second to Alan Bradley. I've seen a fair amount of Omron and Mitsubishi as well. Um, but I, I mean, Alan Bradley and Siemens is really the top two. And if you go outside of the U.S., you work with any European companies, uh, especially German companies, it's just Siemens all the way pretty much most of the time. So uh, that's why I decided to do the Siemens uh, product for the giveaway because, one, it was fairly cost effective for a giveaway that we self-sponsored. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't uh, – I, I think a starter kit from Alan Bradley's double or triple what uh, what i paid for the uh, uh the sponsorship on the plc stuff uh secondly it worked with factory uh io factory.io i think is the domain for the software i'm not sure vlad are you familiar with that it's a wonderful platform for simulation yeah it's something that uh i'm looking into those of you who i'll post a link actually in the chat uh for people to check it out it's a very interesting um I guess it's a 3D environment where you can hook up to a PLC through your computer and then you could simulate like a factory environment. Obviously, it's not as intricate as you would see, you know, on a normal production line, but you get anything from like conveyors to robots to, um, you know, sensors and different like arms to move things around. So you can yep. get quite a bit of practice. And we're actually, we're talking about getting something like this on Solus PLC, but I'm still trying to figure out the format. I, th I think it's an interesting platform. Oh, absolutely. I, again, that was a tool I used in the beginning. I used my Micrologics, uh, I think it was 1100 or 1400 on. And, um, you know, uh, you can interact with the push buttons on the panels and counters and everything. And of course, you can do analog and digital. And yeah, it's absolutely helpful for, again, for someone who's visual, you know, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I think the license is, a, you know, less than a few hundred dollars for the year if you buy it for the year. And that's much cheaper than if you went out and bought a bunch of uh, input devices and output devices that were 
of that same caliber. So um, it, it, it was, it was absolutely instrumental. I think tools like that are incredibly helpful for the guys coming in and um, could be potential. Like you said, you, you're trying to integrate something like that on the Solus PLC because interactive stuff like that, again, um, you know, there are, I think mainly two types of people in the way that they learn. And I think that people can read something and it's locked in buddy. I mean, it's there and it's, you know, they've, they've got that for all of time. I'm not that guy. I, I kind of like what you did with your uh, PLC talk when you went back to your solution, I often write down my solutions and, you know, little Excel files and things like that, where I can search through. And I think that uh, um, for people who are hands-on to be able to go into factory IO and these other things and test and tinker around, it helps solidify that knowledge into their mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to circle back to our discussion earlier about, you know, posting some of the things, if I see engineers who are, you know, consistently involved in like factory IO, something as maybe as interesting as that and posting that on LinkedIn, creating content, just like showcasing fairly like non-complex uh, demos, I'd be very impressed. And I think those are the kind of in- individuals that I would be looking out for, right? When I'm hiring people. So um, no, absolutely. Give people another idea of things to, uh, to work on. Cause again, like not everyone has access to the production floor. And even if they get the PLC, you know, it's always maybe a, a challenge of communicating with real equipment. Well, you have an option where you can talk mm-hmm. to a 3d environment and do a lot of very complicated things in, uh, you know, in that software. Oh, absolutely. More complicated than what you could produce on your desk, at least at start. And I'll tell you, uh, just for anyone who's listening with Factory IO, and I'm not plugging them, I, I don't, you know, but they're, it's great software. If you don't have a PLC, they do have a, uh, a simulated PLC as well that you can program, kind of like function block programming. And so you don't even need a PLC to get going, really, if, if you don't have to have one. Uh, and now you're talking about a completely immersive environment that's, that's 3D that you don't even need any hardware to get started. Again, I would be perfectly happy to see someone working out of something like that to get going. Yeah. And I mean, you've got many options, right? They do OPC, UA and DA. So you you can really hook up a lot of the simulated PLCs and people are mentioning them in the comments. So Mm -hmm. it's quite a bit flexible when it comes to uh, the connections to the software. And I think, I mean, like the industry in general is becoming a lot more aware that your PLC needs to tie into external things. So they're making it easier with the, with the drivers and APIs as well. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Dave, do you have uh, any more questions? I think we're coming to a, to a close here shortly. You have a couple more things, Vlad. Uh, first, manufacturing hub nor Preston and Envision are sponsored by any of the uh, any of the companies that we just threw out there. Uh, but but we could be. Uh, so please reach out. But no, uh, beyond, beyond that, Preston, I know that we told you, we, we kind of warned you that we were going to ask you what you thought the future was going to look like for the industry, for you at Envision. And with the anticipation that at some point in the future, we're going to have you come on again and talk about this and play this upcoming clip and figure out if you were right or wrong. Uh, we're interested to know kind of what you think the future for the industry, for yourself, for Envision is going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the future of the industry, everything's going to more collaborative technology. We've noticed that. We do see a merge of OT and IT, which is really cool. Uh, a good fair amount of that. Um, you know, I noticed just the other day, 
PLC Next from Phoenix is a great product pushing into that category. I'd like to get my hands on one of those. <laughs> um, but where we're going, like I said, I'd say six months from now, I think that you'll see Envision do, doing many more retrofit projects here in the shop, less service out on the road. And I think we're going to have an employee in another six months if we, can, if we can land the right fit. So in six months, that's what I'm looking to see. No, no, that, that is fantastic. And because we've somehow made it an, almost an hour without doing it, can, Preston, can you please give us a plug for Envision? Uh, you know, who your, who your customers are looking for, what you do, and who should reach out if they're looking for your surf, sort of services. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want some general information, just head over to envisions.io, or you can email me. The, we can put the email in the chat below. Um, but generally speaking, we do most things, automation controls, panel fabrication and consulting around those general areas. Uh, so if you're needing troubleshooting, service, commissioning, startup, machine retrofits, and or replace, replacement components, we've got you covered. Perfect. No, thank you very much. And then I know we talked through a lot of things. Is there anything else uh, that you feel like we should have asked you or, uh, or you'd like to add in? Truthfully, I don't, guys. We've covered a great range of subject. I'm very, very happy we had this conversation. No, perfect. Thank you very much, Preston. Uh, Vlad, do you, do you have closing comments? Would you like to wrap up? Would you like me to wrap up? I will let you wrap up, Dave, but uh, thank you very much, Preston. I really appreciate it. I think there's a lot more you know, questions that I would like to explore, but as, <laughs> as Dave mentioned, I guess we've always been past our usual 45 minutes time, but we'll, we'll have you back on the, on the show and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about some of the other questions. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for having me on. This has been a blast and hopefully we'll be back on in round about six months. <laughs> Thank you, Preston. Appreciate no, no, fantastic. Uh, appreciate it. Preston, appreciate everyone for, uh, for listening uh, to Manufacturing Hub with, uh, with Vlad and I. Um, again, if you haven't done so, like give us a thumbs up or a clap and hit the subscribe button. Follow our pages, Manufacturing Hub on LinkedIn. Uh, Vlad has a YouTube channel, so if you're not one of the nearly 20,000 Solus PLC YouTube subscribers, getting really close, Vlad. It just it keeps rocket shipping up there. Um, please go ahead Impressive. and subscribe to that. Um, Preston and I will shout out uh, Solus PLC if uh, if Vlad will not. No, but please give Solus PLC a, a follow on YouTube uh, to continue and follow along with all of that. Um, and then again, podcast stuff. If you guys are listening on the podcasts um, beyond that, Vlad and I look forward to talking to you guys next Wednesday and probably most Wednesdays after that. That's right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you Talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.